0: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first
2: purchase. This October, Yumiko introduces the Unity Collection. Yumeko acknowledges and supports the inclusive future of dance. With playful stripes and creative color palettes, the Unity Collection celebrates diversity united through movement, Check out the various options available in the fan favorite Alicia and Sofiane styles. Limited quantities are available. As a reminder, the New York flagship store is open for business with limited hours to suit all your needs, whether still training at home or in the studio. Stay tuned for new releases, live events, and all things Yumiko at yumiko.com and at yumiko on Instagram. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro.
0: And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance.
2: This week, we are joined by one of our former colleagues, Jennifer Carlin Cronenberg. Jennifer is a former principal dancer with the Miami City Ballet and is now the co-artistic director of Dimensions Dance Theater of Miami. Jennifer began her dance training in her hometown of Queens, New York, before going on to study at the School of American Ballet. From there, she was spotted by Edward Valella, who asked her to join his company, Miami City Ballet, as an apprentice when she was just 17. She moved through the ranks and became a principal dancer in 2001. She danced in the company's vast repertoire through her retirement from the company in 2016. She and her husband, Carlos Guerra, also a former Miami City Ballet principal, went on to found Dimensions Dance Theater of Miami, which is continuing to grow and prosper. Today, we talk with Jen about her career— share some of our favorite memories of dancing with her in the company, talk about her transition into directorship and what challenges she and the company have faced during the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: Hi Jen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We've wanted you on for so long and I'm so glad that we are finally able to have you on.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited.
2: <laughs> so much fun. We're meeting nice and early in the morning, having our coffee together, just like mm-hmm. old times. It feels great. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. I, I have missed you both so much. It's, it's,
0: it's be... just like a, a the Thursday, yeah. <laughs> Thursday Broward Kids show. We're up all it together. <laughs>
2: I love it. Well, we want to talk a lot about um, your career and your directorship. And let's just start at the beginning, though, and start talking about how you first uh, became interested in ballet and dance.
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, That goes back to as far as I can remember. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's funny because nobody else in my family is involved in dance at all. Um, except for, you know, from the audience's perspective, my, both of my grandmothers were, were avid ballet goers, um, but they had never taken dance themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember when I was growing up, like cable TV, wasn't a thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And so wholesome television programming for (laughs) children, um, was hard to come by. And so really the only thing that my parents ever turned on, for me was PBS Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and in between Sesame street and the electric company and all of that was (laughs) dance in America.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I remember, you know, seeing all of these beautiful ballets and it was just a combination of everything, the music and the movement and, you know, it just seems so magical. And so I would jump around and dance around. And that was when the bug bit me. Mm-hmm. And I was dancing everywhere. I was dancing at my grandma's house. I was dancing in the street. And so, you know, finally, my, my grandmother was the one that told my mom. She said, you know, if you don't get her into a lesson soon, she's going to break her neck. <laughs> <laughs> and so my mom took me for my first dance lesson, my first mm-hmm. ballet lesson.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, it was immediate love you know, Mm -hmm. and I finished the lesson and I I told her, I want to do this every single day. Mm
3: -hmm. And Mm -hmm.
1: she thought that was ridiculous. I was seven and a half years old. Um, (laughs) And she was like, that's a lot of money, first of all. And second of all, you're going to change your mind in two weeks. And I, you know, I'm not going to be able to get a refund. So how about we try this slowly? (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And it started like once a week, twice a week. And by the time the year was out, I was doing it every single day. And that's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to Girl Scouts anymore. I didn't want to do anything else. That's all I wanted to do. Mm
0: so where where were you training at this point?
1: This tiny little school um, that was originally just called the studio mm-hmm. and nice. it was in the basement <laughs> of an apartment building um, and then little by little, she got my teacher got mm-hmm. too many students she outgrew the space and mm-hmm. so they bought an old Victorian house oh. um, and made new studios out of it um, and they, she also ran a children's theater company mm-hmm. at the same time. And so the whole thing, the whole enterprise became called Once Upon a Time. And so mm-hmm. I grew up in Once Upon a Time,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> honestly, which, you know, it was, it was magical. It was wonderful. Uh-huh. It was wonderful. Um, and we had exposure to so many different dance styles and um, theater and music. Mm-hmm. Um, she really made sure that we were very well-rounded Mm-hmm. Um, and I just spent my my whole childhood there. I didn't I didn't stop taking classes there until I left um, mm-hmm. to come down to Miami. Wow. Even when I was at Sab, I was going back mm-hmm. to really? take classes with her. Mm-hmm.
2: S- so, when did you decide to make that transfer to Sab and kind of add that extra element to your dance training?
1: Well, I um, I had graduated. I I skipped a grade mm-hmm. in academic school, and so I ended up graduating a year early. Nice. Um, I was 16 when I graduated high school. Oh. And so I, I used that sort of as a bargaining chip with mm-hmm. my parents. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, give me one year to see if I can actually make a career of this mm-hmm. um, before I go off to college. And mm-hmm. if I can't, then College bound, I'll be. Right. But I'd really like to give this a go. And you know, back then there was no like you do school online and you can right. do two things at once. If I went to college, that was it. That my was career it. Mm-hmm. was down the drain.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so they agreed to give me that year. And so it just seemed to to my teacher the perfect um opportunity to go to SAB and see if I could get in. And she knew if I did that year there, then I would have the access to the auditions.
3: Right. Um, hmm
1: because at that time directors came and they looked Mm -hmm. at the school and the students there. Um, and that's exactly what happened. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what happened. Edward Valella ended up coming to the school, um, in the spring because there was no Miami city ballet school yet at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was looking to hire apprentices and, um, well, (laughs) (laughs) I was there and I got lucky and yeah, he saw something in me and I went down to Miami.
0: So at that point, the company's still really young. Um, Was that like something that was exciting and inspiring to you or uh, a little bit um, of a risk? Or what what were you feeling when you got that job?
1: Um, I was really my, (laughs) the first feeling was disbelief. Mm -hmm. Um, It seemed so surreal. I had no idea. What I was getting myself into, mm-hmm. I, you know, I honestly saw it as an opportunity for a year. I didn't know what was going to come out of it. Right. I had no notion that the company was young,
0: mm-hmm. to
1: be honest. Um,
0: well, because you're so young. you yeah. like, I was still young. Seven years old, you weren't even 10. Yeah. But when...
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, the year I joined was the company's 10th anniversary season. Oh, wow. And so I knew it was a big deal. Like right. I, I, I understood that, but I really didn't understand the, um, the meaning mm-hmm. of what that was and what being part of a company at that pivotal moment, that 10 year mark meant. Right. Um, now looking back on it, you know, wow, what, what an opportunity.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite <laughs> get it at the time,
2: right? And when you were like auditioning for companies, or when you were at SAB, and all these directors were coming, what were you thinking? Were you like, oh, I'm like really want to be in New York City Ballet, or were you kind of like, I'm just here, like interested to see what happens? What was your thought process during that time?
1: I, to be honest with you, at the School of American Ballet, was so in over my head <laughs> that I had zero expectations. Mm -hmm. All I knew was that I wanted to dance. I had to dance. I would die to dance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I was going to do anything I could to just make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And being there, honestly, working hard was the only thing that I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, Always is. Yeah. (laughs) I was sort of at the mercy Mm -hmm. of destiny, almost. Um, which, you know, anybody is, I guess, is a teenager, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't have any expectations and it came to the point it was the spring and I had been there and because I didn't expect much, much to come out of it, I automatically expected that I was just going to go to SAB one more year. Right. You know, I, I wasn't 18 yet. Even Mm -hmm. Um, I was not in the level. I wasn't in C2. I was in C1. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, next year I'll be in C2. I'll get to do the workshop and we'll see what's going to happen. You never
0: did the workshop. You just got into the the company that young. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: What a queen. Yeah. yeah, It was very, very surreal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just remember thinking what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: so then you, so you get your job, you're quite young. What was the first year like for you? What was that, uh, introduction to company life like?
1: Wonderful. It -hmm. was wonderful. Um, I was like, I was like, this is, this is the dream come true. I was dancing all day long. Like I, that was what I always wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, and Miami city ballet, I had no notion of what a company was or mm-hmm. what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so getting there, it was just this beautiful, beautiful ambiance. Um, mm-hmm. It was very um, family oriented, mm-hmm. like people just kind of welcomed you in mm-hmm. with open arms. Everybody came up to talk to us to, you know, we were this group of, I think it was 11 or 12 apprentices Wow! Um, wow. and everybody made us feel very, very welcome. And made sure that we were taken care of and had everything that we needed. Mm-hmm. And so it, it felt wonderful.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And at the time, I didn't know that that was abnormal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, because right. I had no basis of comparison.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so from, right from the get-go, it just felt like, okay, well, this is home. This is, mm-hmm. this is it. Like, I want to stay here. <laughs>
2: I feel good. Mm -hmm. Since the company was so young, what about – in terms of, like, its existence, what about the ages of the dancers? Like, there weren't – at that point, there weren't people maybe who had been there, like, their whole careers in the same Mm -hmm. way that in later years. How old was the company at that time?
1: There was a huge range, actually. Oh, really? Um, Okay. We were the babies, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, But there really was a big range because um, at the time, Edward – well, there were some dancers who had been there, you know, since the the inception Mm -hmm. of the company – Um, but he was also building the company as this bouquet. Mm -hmm. And so he was hiring dancers of all different ranges of experience. Um, and I think the moment that he brought in our group of apprentices was a very pivotal moment because Mm -hmm. that was when he decided, you know, okay, this, the company is ready to really, um, focus on the Balanchine style and technique Mm -hmm. and really take this seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, And he didn't have the school yet to Mm -hmm. do that with. And so the crop from SAB was kind of the closest thing Mm
3: -hmm.
1: that he had. Um, And so in a certain way, even though we were so young, we were Mm -hmm. a little bit of an example um, to the rest of the company in, in the style that he was aiming for. Right. If that makes sense. That's
0: interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then, you know, Like, I'm sure you, you approach it in the same way that you were just talking about your SAB experience where you're just like working, working. But at some point Edward did, um, single you out and start to give you prime casting. What was sort of your first experience with that?
3: Oh
1: goodness. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think my very first opportunity, if I remember correctly, was, um, Emerald's Pas de Trois. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I remember being so nervous. Like <laughs> I was just going to vomit.
3: <laughs> but
1: at the same time, I was so excited. Right. And mm-hmm. it just felt so wonderful um, that I knew, you know, I knew that that was something I wanted to keep striving for.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, I knew that was a moment where I decided, okay, I don't want to be in the core. Mm -hmm. forever. You know, I want to, I want to be in the spotlight. Mm -hmm.
3: Um,
1: but you know, I was so fortunate Edward. I don't sometimes don't know what he was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) He gave me so many opportunities that frankly, I wasn't ready for. Um, but not necessarily with the expectation to perform right right away. Mm -hmm. You know, there were many rehearsals that I was called to that. I was just learning in the back, like sugar plum fairy. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was called to that role for Probably two or three years before I got wow. my first opportunity to dance it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so there was really, really a structure to his vision,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: think. Um, it
0: and was that long was long range, right? It was I, long
1: range. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's something, one of the things I most yes. admired about him. I think he yeah. really did that with individuals and in terms of the whole company too.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there there were, of course, other opportunities that came where, like, who cares, for instance, that mm-hmm. I was kind of thrown out there like a deer in headlights. Um, <laughs> Rubies was a little bit like that, actually, mm-hmm. too. Um, and it was sink or swim, you know, mm-hmm. and you do the best that you can and try to survive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And then I ended up growing into those roles on stage. Right. Um, instead of in the studio, um, yeah. which there's a beauty to that, two I guess mm-hmm. um it was a nice mix of mm-hmm. of the two mm-hmm. yeah
0: so you really got to see the company the company grew up with you in a way you know it's mm-hmm. like at, at you start on you were on Lincoln Road at first right yes
3: yes
1: and
0: then you see the so company you know, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but you see it grow like in in every way in in the size of the company in the breadth of the repertoire in the tours and yeah. I mean We went on some tours, but then you—you know—it's like you got, (laughs) like you've done Stravinsky Violin Concerto uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, and you've also done Rubies in New York City on the stage it premiered on. You know, yeah, that's not to be shady to Lawrence, Kansas. We loved that tour, (laughs) but you know, it's like you got to see the the whole company grew up as your career was reaching its pinnacle as well.
1: Oh, yes. The full, full spectrum, full mm-hmm. spectrum. Um, and it's such a beautiful thing because you end up being so appreciative at the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I was in the company when we were dancing at Bailey Concert Hall and mm-hmm. lovely theater, but it didn't have a crossover. <laughs> and so we had to cross over on the roof. And oh it was raining. God. Well, you just got wet. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. Wait, I never knew that. Plastic
1: shopping bags around, uh, like stepping in them and tying them as boots around our point shoes. And Eddie Currington, you know, was waiting for us at the door with the umbrella and running us from one side of the stage to the other. Um, you know, and you think back to that and then you look at where the company is now and oh my goodness, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so to to be a part of that transformation and that transition is is a beautiful beautiful thing and it makes you so appreciative of every single moment you right. know mm-hmm. from the littlest to the biggest yeah oh my gosh
2: so you were ultimately promoted to principal in 2001 and so and you were with the company till 2016 is that right yeah yeah, yeah. So that was a long time to be a principal dancer. It's amazing. When Michael and I joined the company, you were already such a mm-hmm. important cornerstone of the company. And I remember all of us, especially when we would come in when we were younger, we really looked up to you and you were always kind of like, I always felt like you were kind of like the matriarch in a way, right? You kind Aww. of like, had this, <laughs> I don't know. I just like, you felt like you were a very important part of the company. So did you you always were a good leader too, I feel like. Were, did you ever think about like, oh, I want to set a good example for these new people coming in, kind of show them what Miami City Ballet is like and kind of your and your work ethic like you talked about was always so important and you always really showed that and set a good example with that.
1: Always. That was always something that was very important to me um, personally for my own personal reasons. That was, mm-hmm. that was actually something that was instilled in me way back, um, from my teacher, my original teacher, Mm -hmm. um, Teresa Albell, as I grew older in the school, it became understood that I was the example Mm -hmm. to the other students. Um, and she took that very seriously. And so I took that very seriously. It was Mm -hmm. a responsibility. It was an honor. It was a privilege. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, and so I, I came sort of already pre-programmed with that Mm -hmm. thinking, Mm -hmm. but then when I got to Miami city ballet, that was already the culture, Mm -hmm. you know, we had Ileana Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: Franklin um, and they were very much the examples for everybody to follow. We had Sally Ann Isaacs. We had Deanna C. Mm -hmm. We had um, Mary Faye Jimenez. We had all of these um, dancers from generation to generation succeeding each other, fulfilling that role Mm -hmm. and that expectation Mm -hmm. um, of the example. And it was obvious that Edward valued that that he placed an importance on that. And then it became something that without ever having been said, we knew that he expected. Um, and so it was just something that was, was natural. It wasn't ever something that I thought of. It was right. like you assume the role of principal, and that was part of the responsibility that came with it. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I, I just was thinking about this. I don't think I ever told you this. I don't know. Um, but it's this like setting an example isn't even from like this wouldn't have been a moment where you were conscious of it but it was something I remember like a little bit having to I guess it was stage friday sort of stuff and <laughs> but you know in this, it, a lot of times in a ballet a balancing ballet you'll go off stage and you know you have a second to like pull it together and I would always say to myself if the first entrance was bad I'd be like you have to Jen Cronenberg this meaning <laughs> like there were just moments where it just like I would tell you that you were dissatisfied with something and then you come off and you just like hit a reset and you just be like, I just knew in your head, you're just like, I'm a professional. And it was like, you would flip it. And or mm-hmm. like the, like the moment in Paris in theme and variations
1: oh, gracious. came off. And, <laughs> I still
0: have like,
1: nightmares about that performance. But it's oh, just no. like, but that
0: <laughs> happens, you know? Yeah. You were, I mean, it was things like, things happen all the time. You were like, you were a consummate professional. It wasn't like you forgot to like, sew your shoe, right? It was a freak accident. Mm-hmm. And then you just flipped it. Like you didn't like pout the rest of the performance. You still have only, a whole polonaise. Like I, I don't
1: know. <laughs> but that's different. Like there's not a curse word that I, <laughs> in existence that, is, that didn't come out of my mouth.
0: <laughs> that you're allowed. But just like I, like, I felt like you had the mind of a steel trap. Like you could just like, Things happen. It's live performance, but you have to change it. And so I always look up to you in that way because I was just like, she can make anything work. And Aww. I thought that was such a, an important lesson.
2: That, Thank you, know, you. Yeah.
1: Thank you. I have a well, story too. When you, oh, oh, no. <laughs> you say that first <laughs> and I'll share it.
2: You, you, you no, you no, no, no.
1: I, I was, was going to say when, when you make as
2: many mistakes as I do. <laughs> <we> have
3: some-
2: <laughs> no. No. <laughs> huh. I have a gen story. That I would like to share. I don't think I've ever told you this. My first year, Naples. So when you do Nutcracker, mm-hmm. or at least at that time, we would go to Naples we always first. Naples, so and right. when I was a student, so it was gonna be my first time performing with the company. I was second cast, so I was gonna go the second night. So opening night I sat in the audience and I watched you and you were sugar plum fairy with Carla, oh. your husband. <laughs> and I remember crying at the end, being like, I can't believe I'm gonna be a part of this tomorrow. You guys were so amazing. Mm-hmm. It was so cool.
0: I really Thank remember you.
2: that happened. Thank you. With you. Oh, oh, and I wait, goodness. one more little story. one more. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Because <laughs> Jen, my very first performance was in Stravinsky Violin Concerto, and I was so nervous for the 2.5 seconds, not even that long, that I had to um, uh, hold Jen up in an attitude. It's just she literally oh goes to yes, attitude and I, I was just like,
1: remember. I, I have to
0: partner the principal for one second. Oh, you were wonderful
3: <laughs>
1: But though. Jen was always like,
0: you'd like, you'd always look at us before we, you know, the curtain comes up and Stravinsky violin concerto, mm-hmm. you're just looking out into the house, but she'd always like, look at her boys on either side. And like,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it
0: just like that feeling of connectedness is, is what you offered the younger dancers from the yeah. beginning.
2: ah. Aww always. I'm so glad. Yay. <laughs> that <laughs> makes l- me really happy to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I can I could tell that that was something that like you setting an example was an imp- was important and what was really cool about that environment that you're talking about kind of being created without necessarily talking about it was I think so important for us coming in as younger dancers because we you helped us understand what understand what the company was and then that like passed down the culture and kind of helped keep it. You know, like, because like you were saying, it was an abnormal place in a good way. Like it was in a good way. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's, was very, very much about the collective Mm -hmm. more than the individual. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, um, I I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but at least for myself, I feel like, um, I grew up up in the company feeling a dependence
3: mm-hmm.
1: almost on mm-hmm. the collective mm-hmm. and I needed I mean I looked at my boys before Stravinsky violin mm-hmm. because I needed that right. I needed that support I needed to know that they were all behind me that mm-hmm. it was going to be okay mm-hmm. you know and that never went away till the very last performance of of you know midsummer like it was so important to have that feeling of we're all in this together Mm -hmm. and you know anyone's mistake is your own anyone's achievement is your own um and so yeah yeah that that's that in and of itself i think breeds the nature of setting an example right you know Um, treat others the way you you want to be treated and when you need that Mm -hmm. you give that you know i guess yeah
2: we will return to conversations on dance in a moment but first, we want to introduce you to the newest adventure from choreographer and friend of the pod, Trey McIntyre. Trey has put together an innovative way to access new dance films created by world-class artists via Patreon. Welcome to Flatpak. Flatpak is an online subscription service that gives viewers access to one-of-a-kind original dance works created by dance makers from all around the world. Access to these works is exclusive to Flatpak's Patreon platform. Each month, subscribers to Flatpak's Patreon page will get access to two world premiere dance films every other Friday night, as well as immersive behind-the-scenes content. You can join now for as little as $1 per film by visiting fltpk.com or clicking the link in the description of this episode. Money raised for each film goes directly to the artists involved in the creation of the film. If you want to hear more, listen to our most recent interview with Trey in episode 194, where he tells us how this idea came about and his overall vision for the platform. So let's talk about after your final performance, like you were mentioning of Midsummer. Mm -hmm. You have now gone on to found a company with your husband, Carlos, who was also a principal with Miami City Ballet, Dimensions Dance Theater of Miami. What was that initial impetus like and how did you guys go about founding the company?
1: Oh my goodness. It's it's a really funny story and it was... um, not very well planned, to be honest with you. <laughs> Not planned at all, if, if, if I'm going to be totally honest. Um, what I will say is that when um, Miami City Ballet went through its transition, mm-hmm. that was the first moment that the idea of directing even became something that seemed remotely possible Mm -hmm. to me. Um, Before that, prior to that, the notion of it had never entered my mind. I was, Mm -hmm. you know, completely focused on my own performing career. I had been teaching some, um, Mm -hmm. but directing seemed like this monster of a thing that Mm -hmm. was out of reach, you know, and not necessarily something that I saw myself doing or, or, ever even imagined and then it it became a reality um mm-hmm. the prospect of it right and so it planted a seed and i started first i was it was very daunting and i was like "Ooh, i don't think that i could handle that mm-hmm. and then i was like well no wait a minute maybe i could mm-hmm. um why couldn't i right. <laughs> you know <laughs> and i started going through all of these questions and I, I i faced a very important moment where i i actually had to make a decision rather quickly, whether it was something that I could see myself doing mm-hmm. or not and sort of commit to that decision. And so I committed to, to it affirmatively.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and throughout the process, I encountered many, many questions and many doubts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beauty of the process was that It suddenly became something that I realized if I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't do it on my own. And I, you know, nobody should do it or try to do it on their own. (laughs) I can't imagine. Um, But I started having this open door of possibilities. And I thought, well, wait a minute, if I had a say, in things, what would I say and what would I keep? What would I change? What might I do differently? What might I, um, you know, maintain, but evolve into Mm -hmm. something else. And so that suddenly became very exciting to me. Uh Um, but even still, I, I, the idea of founding my own thing with Carlos was, um, not something that was in the forefront of my mind. Mm -hmm. We actually had planned on um, taking over the direction of a school that Mm -hmm. was here in Miami for, for a very long time. And we spent our final year at Miami city Valley sort of planning in that direction. Um, We had Mm -hmm. several meetings about it and for one reason or another, it didn't, it didn't come to pass. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had to think of what else we were going to do and rather quickly um, we had some guestings, quite a few guestings lined up. That was sort of the opportunity for us to um, accept things that we were unable to while we were dancing full-time right. with Miami mm-hmm. city. Yeah. Um, but we had nothing permanent. And so we had like a year's worth of stuff. <laughs> right. Right. And after that, we, it was a big question mark. Right. And we were getting offers from other places, but they were all outside of Florida. hmm mm-hmm. And we're both very, very rooted here in Miami. I mean, I've been here at this point, you know, or at that point, over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, We have family here. We had purchased a house. We had a child. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the roots were planted. And as a city, we both just love it. We love being here. And it really is um, ripe right Mm -hmm. now. And it's, it's somewhere where the arts landscape is... Really starting to blossom, and so we felt like if we were going to plant something, the soil is ready. You mm-hmm. know, so why would why would we go? Why would we go someplace where we have to start from scratch, where people don't know who we are? Right. You know, we we have the base right.
3: here. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: um, and so very serendipitously, we we met this angel of a gentleman named George Mattox, who is now on our board. Mm-hmm. Um, And he directs um, a lyric opera company called Hispanic American Lyric Theater. Mm -hmm. And he knew that we were retiring and and that we were still performing. And he said, well, you know, I have this date at Miami-Dade County Auditorium that I'm supposed to put a little show together. But I think this would be a really nice opportunity for you guys. If you want to dance and get a little group of your friends together Mm -hmm. (laughs) and do a show, you know, you can have this date.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And we thought... Well, okay. (laughs) You know, why not? That sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and in order to do that, we had to incorporate, um, as a company. Right. And so we started talking about it and we thought, well, if we eventually want to try having like, even just a pickup group, Mm -hmm. we need to do it as a nonprofit so that we can, you know, get support and donations and all of that. So we went through the whole rigmarole of doing the incorporation as a nonprofit. And really it was all just to do this show. Mm -hmm. And it was Carlos and I on a date at the theater. And that was it. We had no dancers. We had no rap. We had no money. We had no nothing, nothing. Mm -hmm. And then all of the pieces like the universe I'm telling you works in very strange ways. Um, little by little between May when we incorporated and November when the performance happened opportunity after opportunity, just sort of, fell into our laps. I want to say, (laughs) you know, um, one of the, the guestings that we had lined up was, was Carlos dancing Giselle with the Cuban classical ballet. And he went in for his first day of rehearsals and he called me an hour later and he said, I have a group of 10 dancers that has nothing to do in November and really, really wants to dance. (laughs) (laughs) What? And it was this whole group of, um, Cuban dancers that had Mm. recently defected. -hmm. And we're here in Miami with family, just kind of sitting around twiddling their thumbs, waiting to Yeah. I mean, audition season had passed and so they were just Mm. kind of waiting and 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 taking little gigs here and there. Um and so they were available and okay, well great. Now we have a little group of dancers and we have a theater, but we have no rep. (laughs) What are we gonna do? And we have no money either.
2: Yeah. We have no
1: money to pay anybody. Um And then very serendipitously again, (laughs) we happened upon Septim Weber for something Mm -hmm. totally unrelated. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had breakfast with him and he started asking us what our plans were because he knew that we had left Miami Mm -hmm. city and he was planning on transitioning away from Washington and so we got into this conversation, and we told him our crazy idea of putting a show together. And he said, "No, it's not crazy at all. I think it's fantastic, and I think you could do more than that. And I think if you're going to do it, you better hurry up while people still remember <laughs> you and people still support you." Uh-huh. And he was like, "You? What do you mean you don't have money? Get start, go, 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 ask." Uh. And so he kind of lit the match under Mm -hmm. our bums. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, you know, you don't have a ballet? Well, I have the perfect ballet. I'm Mm going to lend you Juanita and Alicia. Mm -hmm. And it's completely steeped in Cuban nostalgia and just like perfect for this community. Um, But it was a much bigger monster (laughs) than we were ready for, to Mm -hmm. be honest with you. We had only enough money raised at that point to get through two and a half weeks of rehearsal. And so that's what it was. It was two and a half weeks of rehearsal to put a full program together um, and get a band for live music because we couldn't afford the rights to license the recording Mm -hmm. um, and all kinds of like craziness, but we did it. We did Mm -hmm. it. And it was a really big success. We were oversold. And then, you know, right after that we were faced with the question from all angles, from the dancers, from the press, from presenters, mm-hmm. from everybody, what's next? We want to know what's next. And Carlos and I looked at each other and we said, what do you mean next? There's no next. Like, uh. this, is, this is all we had in mind. This is already right. more than what we had in mind. Right. Like we, we have a guesting in a month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was not really on our agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ball was rolling. And so then it became whether you know, we go with it and it keeps rolling or we stop it. And then if we stop it, how do we restart it? Right. So we say, well, no, 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 no. Okay. This is something that we know we want in the future and the ball's already rolling. Let's go with it and let's see what we can do. Mm -hmm. And well, five years later, here we are. So, and yeah.
2: have some pretty <laughs> prestigious things down the road, too. Some prestigious tours. Tell us about those.
1: Oh, my goodness. Craziness. Craziness, but so wonderful and beautiful. Um, yeah. After, Well, after this first initial performance, mm-hmm. um, the next things that we did were actually tours. We went on tour to Sanibel. We went on tour to um, Newport, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And after those two tours, we sat down and had a conversation with Eric Fliss, who's the managing director at the South Miami Dade Cultural Arts Center. And he was very intrigued with the company. He's an avid dance person. Um, and so he offered us a residency at the South Miami Dade Cultural Arts Center. And we with that offer, we applied for um, the Knight Foundation's Knight Arts Challenge. Mm-hmm and we won. And so that grant provided for two years, a two years residency at the Mm -hmm. facility. So we started performing there and that, um, sparked some further press attention. And of course, Eric, um, is very well connected in the dance industry nationally. Mm -hmm. And so word of mouth is powerful. And, um, within, or before actually our second year, we were receiving calls from Jacob's Pillow from the Joyce Theater for their ballet festival, mm-hmm. um, inviting us to participate. And so, you know, well, we're, we're very much about like jumping into the cold water and <laughs> right. swimming. So we, we went ahead and did it. And, you know, we were on the plane to New York going, oh no, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> we're not ready for this. But it was, you know, it was amazing. It was amazing. And we have such a wonderful, wonderful group of people, of dancers, of production staff, of advisors that are just so supportive and so personally invested in the advancement of the company Mm -hmm. um, that there's this wonderful feeling of the collective, exactly Mm -hmm. what I was telling you about Miami City Ballet um, that makes the impossible seem possible. Right. Um, and you know, just the other day, I was talking to one of our dancers, Chloe Mm Freitag, because, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic and from one day to the next, we're like, how are we going to do this? And she turned to me, I was a little bit stressed out with something. And she turned, she said, we always find a way Mm -hmm. to get what we need and to do what we need to do. And I looked at her, I was like, you know what? You're right. And she's like, we have since day one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she's been with us since day one. And so there is that feeling amongst everybody that we can do this. We've got this, you know? And yeah, I think that's what's gotten us through to this point.
0: I love it. It's so like, it's such a throwback, I feel like to our time together under Edward and um, like that sort of idea of like, just taking one step, what you might perceive as being too far, but then it Mm -hmm. elevates the whole organization and the artists within it. You know, if you play it safe all the time, you're never going to grow. So that's really what it it really reminds me of that mentality. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. And I'll tell you, you know, after, Oh, I think it was like actually two years or so after I retired um, and Edward had already moved to New York we went for a visit um, because my family's up in New York and mm-hmm. we thought it would be nice to see him. And so we got together for dinner and that was, <laughs> that was my opportunity to like ask questions, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't in that dancer position anymore where, right. you know, right. director dancer. So we were sitting at dinner and we were talking about all kinds of different things. And I asked him because it was always in the back of my mind, mm-hmm why he gave me the opportunity to dance Ballo de la Regina. Because of all the ballets that I have danced, that one is the f- furthest <laughs> from what I'm good at. <laughs> hmm. Honestly, it was the biggest challenge. Um, Meryl Ashley came and staged mm-hmm. it, and she's just wonderful and a phenomenal human being. And she was wonderful with me, but i could tell she was looking at me like okay why are you here <laughs> like this is not this is not what you're good at you mm. know and it really wasn't i'm not a technician i never was a technician and by golly like i tried my hardest <laughs>
0: <laughs> never <laughs> was, was a technician said someone who's oh, done yeah, um, thank you, my ballet friend. imperial theme variation well
1: yeah i get <laughs> but you know <laughs> But there was, Ballow was, was probably it's a hard one of the biggest challenges mm-hmm. of all. Yeah. Um, and so I asked him, I was like, why would you ever cast me in that, you know? And he looked at me and word for word, his answer was for the same reason that Balanchine cast me in Oberon when I really should have been Puck. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that was such a stretch for me. It was mm-hmm. not what came naturally to me. But it made me grow and it made me transition to the next level of my career as a principal dancer. And it made me understand that I'm not in a box and I could do more. And he was like, you needed that. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And so I've taken that. I mean, that was so profound when he said that. And I've taken that and I apply that to my own dancers Mm -hmm. now, but I also apply that mentality to the company and how we proceed with the company. And so sometimes things seem so out of reach for us or so daunting, but if we don't challenge the company as an organization in that way, then we'll never get there, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's okay to fail sometimes. Because it's a learning process and you make mistakes. And so you do better the next time. And that's actually the beauty of being as young as we are. And I told, I said this to the dancers, Carlos and I, when we got to New York and we said, we don't, because they, they I mean, some of them, it was, it was huge for them. It was yeah. huge for all of us. Um, incredibly intimidating, mm-hmm. you know? And so we said, we don't need to be perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. We just need to show potential.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, this audience has seen it all. Mm -hmm. You are not going to impress them with anything that they haven't seen before. The only one thing that they have not seen is you individually Mm -hmm. as dancers. And so the only thing that's going to impress them is your artistry, your personalities, your individualism, Mm -hmm. how you approach what we're going to dance. So you can make them fall in love with you that way, or you can bore them to death with being scared, (laughs) (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so they did. They approached it that way. And New York was very successful Mm -hmm. for us. I recall the
2: Joyce Theater maybe a standing ovation here and there, full house, pretty happy (laughs) with dimensions. It was it was oh goodness.
1: It was so surreal. It was crazy. But what Mm -hmm. gosh, what an experience. What an experience.
2: Talking about pushing through and overcoming things when you think maybe it could be too hard. How has the COVID-19 pandemic been for you as an artistic director?
1: (laughs) Gracious. Well, you know, definitely not easy. (laughs) Um, Carlos and I went through several different phases since March. I mean, March hit us like a bus. Mm -hmm. You know, we had the rest of our season. We were really mid season and um, we had these big plans for the rest of the season. And one by one, within a two-week time span, everything got canceled. Right, mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just performances that were getting canceled. This is our revenue stream now right. that's being totally cut off. Mm-hmm. You know, we are not a self-presenting company
3: mm-hmm.
1: for the most part. We get presented and so we get artist fees and right. donations come in to support those performances. So sure. without them, we are we're we're choking, you know?
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and so, you know, the the first phase that we went through was one of denial (laughs) and we went home and we said, okay, well, this is, great. We actually have vacation for a couple right. of weeks. Like I can breathe.
0: <laughs> Didn't we all do that. Yeah. This will yeah. be two weeks long. And we did exactly. a, a forced vacation that we all deserve. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And, you know, two weeks came and went and we were still in the same boat. And then we said, okay, well, wait a minute. <laughs> this is maybe going to last a little bit longer than we mm-hmm. thought.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: What do we do? And little by little, as time went on, we started going into a panic. Um, With each performance that got canceled, each fundraising event that got canceled, we got more and more panicked. And then we went from panic into depression, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, because we have invested so much the past four years on so many levels, you know, personally, like this, this company has become all consuming for us, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a 24 hour a day job, practically. Mm -hmm. Um, we wear a thousand different hats.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we've invested, you know, financially without, without investing financially, it impacts you financially mm-hmm. because the company's just starting out. Right. And so in so many different ways, this has become our identity
3: mm-hmm.
1: and we saw it, the possibility of it, you know, just coming down and plummeting, right. <laughs> you know, and that was, that was harsh. It was mm-hmm. very harsh. Um, we started thinking, okay, well, if we have to shut down, what do we do next? Um, Could we take a pause indefinitely and restart once COVID is over? I mean, all of these things came into conversation. And then, you know, because I had sat in on so many different um, webinars and conferences and things, it was a double-edged sword because, you know, on the one hand, I was hearing from all of these Executives at major companies mm-hmm. that were going through the same thing that we were, and they didn't know how they were going to survive it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Well, if these established companies with their millions and millions of dollars in the budget can't figure out how they're going to survive, who are we to think that we're going to survive? Right. Right. This yeah. is impossible, you know. But then <laughs> all of a sudden, something changed, mm-hmm. and we woke up, I guess, from this funk. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. We're small. We're exactly. very small. <clears throat> We're very new. That's totally advantageous
0: it right, is. right now. It I was is. just thinking that. Yeah,
1: totally. We have mm-hmm. no, none of the crazy overhead costs mm-hmm. to survive that all of these other companies have. We have no, um, predetermined, you know, seasonal structure that we're forced to have to stick to. Right. You know, we're, we're very agile. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, pivot has become the magic word yeah. these mm-hmm. days, uh-huh. but because we are the size that we are, we're really able to pivot. All it takes mm-hmm. is the willingness to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we realized that all we had to change was our mindset, I guess. Mm-hmm. And once we changed our mindset, we were able to present that to the dancers and they were on board immediately. Mm -hmm. I mean, dancers need to dance, right. You know? So once we said, well, we have a way to bring you back to dance, it's not what we knew before necessarily for right now, but you'll be dancing. Well, Mm -hmm. they were all for it. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, And once, once you have something to produce, well, people start to support it, right. You know, people who were supporting you before. Mm -hmm. And so we've, we've thankfully, um, been able between relief funding and, and donations, um, that we've gotten to, to provide a nice, just about six week period of work,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, for our dancers right now, which isn't all that different than what we normally do, sure. um, in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And we're really confident that once that, you know, gets rolling too, we'll be able to do more and more. Mm-hmm. So, right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what is next for the company then in your new reimagined 2020-2021 season?
1: Well, we're we're very hopeful still that we'll be able to have a late start to our live performing season. Um mm-hmm. we're very ambitious to think that that might happen starting in February. Um but we're ready in case it doesn't and we mm-hmm. have a little bit of a later start that's okay too. Sure. But in the meantime we are producing digital content mm-hmm. now um, but rather than you know finding things from left field we're we're trying to stick to ballets that we were already going to present for the season and, and sort of put them together as little previews to get people excited. Um, and maybe they'll see these ballets from a different perspective, from a different Mm -hmm. point of view. Um, because you know, when, what the beauty of the camera is that you're able to show the audience, what the choreographer wants them to see, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than on the stage where there's so much to look at, you can kind of pinpoint specific things, Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's a, a golden opportunity, I think, for some of these works.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so yeah, that's what we're focused on right now. We're also doing um, a collaboration with our sister company, Ballet Vero Beach. We're filming um, an abridged version of their Nutcracker on the Indian River. We're going to be doing that outdoors. And that's going to be broadcast on two of their local TV stations um, and possibly here um, locally on PBS. Mm-hmm as well. So yeah, we've got, we've got several exciting projects underway.
0: That's That's, so great. I I mean, all it takes is something outside the box. And it's it's
1: just willingness to think outside the box Mm -hmm. and maybe change your idea of what performing is, um, what your goals are. Um, -hmm. and it's, you know, I don't think it's permanent. I think it's, it's for now. And it's a, a golden opportunity, mm-hmm. really. And we're, we're now, I mean, we're reaching audiences that we never dreamed we'd be able to reach. Right, um, We see it. We see the the feedback coming through the website. We're getting emails. We're even getting donations from people out of state <laughs> right. that I'm like, well, wow, you know, I didn't know that they knew we existed. So right. there is lot, lots of gifts to right. be had, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. If any of our listeners would be interesting, interested in connecting with the company or maybe putting an out-of-state donation <laughs> to Dimensions, <laughs> how, what's the best way to do so?
1: Um, I think probably the best and easiest is to visit our website, um, www.dimensionsdancemia.com. And you can see some beautiful photos and videos and read all about the company. And we have a, a contact us and a support us page mm-hmm. there.
3: Perfect. That's so great.
2: I love the idea of if that nutcracker ends up on PBS, that you have such a full circle moment for you.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That would be so cool.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. we have actually, talking about PBS, we have another PBS thing coming up too. Um, We're participating in Kids Vision where we are, we're going to do a one minute segment for children, um, kind of introducing them to, to ballet. Um, so yeah, that'll be, that'll be something fun for us too. Yay. That's
0: so great. Well, Jen, it's just been so fun to explore the beginning through now to you being in this great leadership position. And, um, thank you so much for coming on. We wanted you on for so long and we're so happy that we get to share your, um, experience with our listeners.
1: Oh my goodness. You two are the best. You're just wonderful. And you've done such a great thing with Conversations on Dance. I'm so proud of you both. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Yeah, no, it. honestly, honestly, I'm just honored to to be a part of it. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Jen. Thank you.
2: thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week.